0: Matthew 5 and verse 4, one verse, and that's all we'll spend time on this morning, aren't you glad? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4, a beautiful Father's Day, I hope you've had the opportunity to share it already with someone you love, and uh, appreciate again the efforts this morning in our breakfast. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, blessed are they that mourn, weep, literally weep, blessed are they that weep, for they shall be comforted. So if you don't know how to weep, then you'll never know comfort. What is it you cry over? And I ask you the question because what do real men, I should ask it this way, do real men cry? Yes. Right? And I think you'll find it to be true that the sort of the older you get, and the more of life you go through, you'll understand that question a little bit more. Esau wept over money. Jacob wept over a woman, remember that story. David wept over his son that was slain early. Peter wept over his failure. And of course, Jesus wept at the death of a friend. Everyone gets upset, that's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes people even cry, and that's not even necessarily what I'm talking about. The question is, what makes you mourn? What makes you weep? What tugs at the heartstrings of your life? In answering that question, you'll discover what are the core values of your life. What is it that really, really gets you, pulls at your heart? That's the thing that you'll realize are part of the core values of your life. What makes you laugh? What makes you cry? It is a beatitude, an attitude that is in your heart. That is part of every other issue of life. For example, I say this sometimes at a, at, a, at a funeral. If your house is on fire and you've got a designated place to meet, when you meet at that place, you don't ask, fathers. You don't ask, did someone grab my golf clubs, right? Fathers don't ask that. What is the only question you ask? Did everyone make it out, right? Your wife calls you, men, your wife calls you. As mine has called me in the past. And she says, honey, I just wrecked a car. Men, what do you say? Is the car all right? No. There'll be hell to pay for that one. No, what do you ask? Are you okay? That's all you want to know. See, now you're, you're getting at the core value of your life. If the ship is sinking, real men don't say, me first what do they say? Women first, right? Women and children first, because that's the thing of value in our life, the women and children. What we laugh at, what we weep over becomes an indication of our core values of life. There's a certain immaturity to a person that gets upset and cries over every other thing. That's not what I'm talking about. There's an awkwardness to the person who laughs at the wrong thing. You've You know that kind of person. They just seem to laugh at all the wrong stuff, and it just doesn't make sense to you. It's not good timing. Real men know what to get upset at. They know what to laugh off, and they know what ought to be taken more seriously. If your philosophy of life is to not let you see them cry or to keep hiding your pain, It'll make you paranoid, and it'll keep you afraid to experience the true joys of life. If your focus is to avoid pain, men, if that is your focus of life, then you will live less. For example, if you never want a heartache, you'll never know true love. If you only drown your sorrows in whatever, not just alcohol, but just in stuff of life, if you just drown your sorrows, you'll miss the joy of living. Joy follows sorrow like sunshine after rain. You can't have one without the other. Do real men cry? Yeah, absolutely. What makes them cry? What tugs at your heart? What keeps you awake at night? What motivates you to go to work every day? For what would you instantly lay down your life? Those are the core values of your life. Matthew 5, 4, I read it again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. No, excuse me. Blessed are they that mourn, verse 4, for they shall be comforted. Some points of sorrow, there's natural sorrow that comes along to everything. There's a season, right, Ecclesiastes 3, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, although I'm not a very good dancer, I don't know about you, but maybe not a good time for that. weeping is the natural response to the tragedies of life. Warren Wearsby wrote, natural sorrow expressed in mourning releases a healing process. So if you ever only try to cover it up, not let, you know, not let it show, not let your emotions out, then you're, you're missing out on some of the recovery of life that takes place, whether it's at the death of a loved one or some tragic circumstance of life. If you keep it bottled up inside, sorrow can spread like an infection to every other area of your life, and it will affect you physically, men, if you don't find a way to express that emotion in the circumstance of your life. Natural sorrow, we call it closure, you know, from tragic circumstances of life. I remember when my father passed away. And sometimes when you go through death in, in your life, right, circumstances of, of life and people have died, sometimes the uh, adrenaline of the moment, there is an adrenaline that goes with it sometimes. And you can get through the funeral. You can get through all the circumstances. And when it's all over, I remember when my father passed away, and it was months later. And I realized, that was it. <laughs> that was it. I remember when uh, just recent funeral of my friend Rose. And... Uh, Man, suddenly it just was overwhelming. And it's just an emotion that if you just are fighting it, it'll it'll eat you alive from the inside, man. You've got to be able to express that in some way. Without natural sorrow, there comes an unnatural sorrow, right? If you refuse to accept the sorrow, then there is a paralyzing fear that may overwhelm you. It can irritate old wounds. And 2 Corinthians 2, it'll swallow you up with overwhelming sorrow sorrow if according to our verse there is a comfort from God for the sorrows of life then avoiding the sorrows of life means you're avoiding the comfort of God do you know the comfort of God then you know the sorrows of life and how difficult it can be and the burden that you bear for example unnatural suppressed sorrow turns to fear but God has not given us the spirit of fear but of what power men and of love men and of a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1. Some struggle with the sorrow of guilt, you know, failures in life. Maybe I didn't do my kids right. Maybe, you know, I I missed a job opportunity. And, you know, there are things that keep us up awake at night. Sometimes we second-guess ourselves, and the guilt of life sometimes hangs over us. And And it lingers with us in the failures. Remember David? David, before he came clean with God, in Psalm 38, verse 17, then verse 18, but verse 17, before he came clean with God, he said, I am ready to give up, and my sorrow is continually before me. But verse 18, Psalm 38, verse 18, he says, I will declare, that is, confess mine iniquity, I'll be sorry for my sin." If all you want to do is cover up the wrong of your life, act like, you know, like if you just ignore it, it'll go away. It won't go away. It won't go away. It won't just get better. You've got to come clean with God. According to Acts chapter 13, David was forever after that known as a man after God's own heart. Because he was perfect? No, because he came clean with God. Unnatural sorrow leaves us hopeless, 1 Thessalonians 4 says, but we sorrow not as others who don't know this hope. Because we have a relationship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a supernatural sorrow then that comes. Comfort, in this verse, Matthew 5, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Does that remind you of anything else? It's the same word used to describe the work of who? the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, right? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll pray, Jesus said, I'll pray to the Father, and He'll send you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit works repentance unto salvation, but sorrow of the world works death. Let me say that again, Second Corinthians chapter 7. Repentance unto salvation or there is a sorrow of the world that works death. Supernatural sorrow reveals our spiritual need. It turns us to Christ for the answers of life. Judas betrayed Jesus. Remember that? Judas betrayed Jesus and he went out and did what? He hanged himself. But Peter also denied Jesus. But he got right with God and he became a great Preacher, in fact, the preacher at Pentecost when thousands were saved. You see the difference. A lot of people are sorry. They're sorry for what they did, they're sorry they got caught, but they never change. And as a result, they live a life of regret. Regret. Regret is a wasted emotion. It's worse than failure. And regret Men will make you old before your time. Don't live a life of regret. Get your heart right with God, come clean with God. Blessed are they that learn to mourn over the things that break the heart of God, and the opposite would be true as well. Blessed are they that know how to rejoice over the things that bring joy to the heart of God. They shall know comfort. They'll know forgiveness. They'll have a change of heart. Yeah, real men do cry. They know how to express their emotions over the stuff, not over stuff that's just going to waste your time but over the stuff that breaks the heart of God. May I share with you some of the stuff that should affect our heart personally? There should be a, a genuine sorrow, first of all, for sin. There ought to be a genuine sorrow for sin. It's personally, in your own life. David wrote, I will declare mine iniquity. Remember that, Psalm 38? Real men don't cry over getting caught. They cry over breaking the heart of the person that loves them. Men hate the letdown Or disappoint the one who has placed their trust in them. That's the same thing at work. you got a boss that puts their trust in you. You're you're trying to do everything you can to please that boss. Your wife trusts you. You're trying to please her in some way. Well, guess who loves you more than a brother, more than your wife, who gave his life for you? Jesus the Christ. Don't Break the heart of Jesus. Proper sorrow for sin brings us to the place of forgiveness, restoration, of comfort. If you only ever mourn the day you got caught, if you only ever sorrow for the day you drank too much or you risked it all without calling it sin, there is no comfort for that. And that will haunt you the rest of your life. There is a place for sorrow personally, for my sin, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Well, men, if you're tired of coming up short in life, because I know sometimes there are just things you just can't fix and you can't please everybody and you feel like you're falling short. If you feel like you're falling short in your own best effort, there is strength, there's power, there's hope. By the way, that's a song, Daniel. That, that's a song for you. Strength, power, and hope. there is there is strength, there is power. There is hope in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's personally, but also practically. Jeremiah wept over a nation that was ruined by sin. Jesus wept when God's people rebelled. Paul wept when churches fell apart. In fact, we know that the whole creation groans and travails because of sin. The effect of sin, thats men, that's what we ought to be. Concerned about. That's what ought to break our heart. That's what ought to bother us. I know there's stuff in the news, men, that you get upset about and you want to throw a shoe at the TV. I get that. But look look beyond that and consider the sin that is running rampant in our world, in our nation, in our communities. That's the thing that ought ought to get us upset. That's the thing that we ought to be praying about, is the effect of sin. There's a constant unrest in our world today as a result of men turning everyone to his own way. I read that from Judges or Isaiah a couple of weeks ago. And then you turn to the book of, of Judges. And in Judges, that is a time when everyone was doing what is right in his own eyes. And that seems to be the way the world's going today. Practically speaking, there is a place for men, and women, I'll put you in there too, but men, there's a place in which we ought to be affected by the world in which we live, where we find people calling evil good, and they're calling good evil, and they're putting darkness for light and light for darkness. Everything is turned upside down, and we ought to be concerned about that, man. That ought to be the thing that gets us. The day we say things like, I never thought I'd live to see the day that's what we ought to be praying for that's what ought to break our heart well real men do cry out against sin and then also publicly paul said there was a sin among the believers of corinth that ought to bother us when we find sin in our church it ought to bother us that the sins that were once only named among the world at large is named among the church in the privacy of our homes it ought to bother us that the rate of failed marriages in the world today is less than the failure of marriages in the church now you're going to argue that because you'd say well in the world they just don't get married as often okay I get that it ought to bother us when we see marriages and families disintegrating and I know there's a lot of circumstances with that but But we ought to do everything we can to fight to keep our families intact, to love our children, love our wives publicly in the world today. It should bother us when real men and their children are leaving the church at an alarming rate. The number one factor that young people leave the church today is the failure of fathers in their faith. That's the number one reason. If they've got a mom that goes to church, that'll be a real encouragement to them. If they've, got a, if they've got a mom and a dad that go to church, their chances are even greater. But the most important is that they see it in their father. Real men want the truth spoken in love. That's what gives us a passion for the good. That's what keeps us calling evil for what it is. It should bother you when someone is overtaken in a fault, not in the sense that I can point out their problems, but I consider myself lest I also be tempted and caught up in that same sin. And so we're concerned for one another in a way that others don't care. We're concerned for one another's in our church, one another's at work, in our communities, our neighbors. Men, you can't laugh at sin and say things like, well, you know, when I was their age, I mean, boys will be boys and just sort of shrug our shoulders and say, maybe they'll come around to it someday eventually. We can't just shrug our shoulders like that. Blessed are they that mourn over sin, for they shall know comfort and forgiveness of God. Well, to mourn also reflects in in the person himself of course Christ is described as the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But this beatitude is not written about Christ, it's written about us. Blessed are they us, we that mourn, for we shall be comforted. A sorrow that knows comfort. First an explanation of this word comforts defined in two words. It means with strength. With strength. It's not a weakness. There's a strength that comes in recognizing the sorrows of life. It's the same idea of being fortified. When a man of God mourns, it's the first step to that beautiful phrase in Psalm 40, when he lifts our feet up out of the miry clay and sets our feet upon a rock to stay. You'll never know that place until you know the sorrows of life. And God lifts you up. God does not throw a pity party. But when I mourn, rather in the day when I cry, He will answer me, He will strengthen me in my soul. There's always strength for the weary soul. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. I love this phrase. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Men. Learn to turn your eyes upon Jesus in the challenging circumstances of life. The key is that you learn to mourn for the things that bring a tear to the eye of our Lord, not just for the things that frustrate you and get you mad. There's comfort for godly sorrow. It strengthens our soul. This word mourn is is used by James when he said be afflicted, mourn, And weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. We serve the Father of mercy, the God of all comfort. Let this be an encouragement to you. Comforter or encourager is the name describing, I mentioned it earlier, the work of the Holy Spirit. Men, if you've never cried out to God, be merciful to me, a sinner then you don't have the Holy Spirit. There's something missing in your life. And I can tell you what that is. His name is Jesus, and you know Him by the Holy Spirit. And there's a work in your life that I cannot describe. It's beyond anything I can give you. And it's because of the Holy Spirit. It keeps you faithful in your marriage. It keeps you faithful in your job. It keeps your integrity when no one else is looking. Because you have a relationship with the holy, almighty God, that through His Son, because of the Holy Spirit who is living in you. The Holy Spirit also not only indwells you, but inspires the writing of Scripture. Why do men spend time in the Word of God? Because it tells them what God wants me to do. Words of encouragement can be found throughout Scripture It is through patience and comfort of Scripture that we have hope. Romans chapter 14. Through patience and comfort of Scripture that we have hope. And then as we become men of God, we can encourage one another. Titus was just what Paul needed. When you read about Paul's life, he needed somebody just like Titus to come alongside him. Elisha is exactly what Elijah needed. Moses, well, he had Aaron. David, we'll look at him next week. David had Jonathan. Remember that whole story? Men, we need one another. I know women sometimes are more social creatures than we men. But one of the importance of of church, I believe, I really do, men, with all my heart, one of the importance of church is that you have other men of like precious faith with whom you can rub shoulders, be encouraged, even share things from time to time. I know we're not big on that. But just by way of example, if nothing else, and you sat in the breakfast this morning, you heard some of the stories of the older guys around us, and you you heard Everett tell his story and the importance of fathers. I mean, it just encourages you in that way. You need that because you're not going to get it out in the world. Men, we need one another. Jesus himself was an encourager, and from that we can take his example. Jesus was in all points tempted as are we. Now that's hard for us to sort of grasp, and somebody's going to throw out some, well, you know, Jesus is perfect and I can't live up there. That's not the point. The point is that Jesus, when he experienced the circumstances of life, in fact, in greater fashion than we did, because I'm not perfect, Right? You knew that already, <laughs> so you shaked your head pretty quick on that one. So I'm not perfect, so if I'm tempted, right, that's, maybe that's me. But the Lord Jesus is perfect, and so if He is tempted, the, 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 the attack on His character is even greater. Men were under attack today. We need to accept that and understand it. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus wept in the garden when he considered the cross that was yet before him. And yet even that, he despised the shame and the reproach that he was about to endure. Why? Because of the joy that was set before him. So he endured those things. Men, I challenge you. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. I know you don't get encouragement from work. Some of you don't get encouragement in your personal life. Some of you don't have any encouragement in any other place than this right here, but I encourage you, I encourage you, I challenge you because you know it's right because of the joy that is before you, whether it's raising your children, telling them about Jesus, loving your wife, being honest at work. There's an integrity that is missing among men today for the joy of living our life in relationship to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, I challenge you for the joy that's set before you to live your life in that way. I can have a better understanding of joy after I've known the challenge of sorrow. I can rejoice with those who rejoice after I have wept with those who weep. I will reap in joy. So long as I sow in tears, Psalm 126, verse 5, I will know joy so long as I sow in tears. Expecting joy without any sorrow of life is like expecting sunshine only ever with no rain. There will be rain. It'll rain on your parade. It won't always go the way you thought it should. It'll aggravate you. It'll challenge you. It'll get you angry sometimes. Just remember to be angry without sin. To be angry over the things that anger, upset, frustrate the heart of God. Men, I know you may not cry a lot. And I'm certainly not encouraging you to weep over every disappointment of life. I don't need a bunch of crybabies, right? We don't need that. But there is a beautiful verse in Psalm chapter 56 and verse 8, it's shared with women a lot, but I think it is so important for us men to understand. When your heart is broken, when you're, when you're so sad, and maybe even, yeah, a few tears once in a while, there's a beautiful verse, Psalm 56 for eight, verse 8. It says, God collects every tear in a bottle. Now, that's not every frustrated tear. That's not every little angry moment. That's the tear over the things that break the heart of your wife. That's the tear over the things of letting down yourself and your own spirit. You know you've disappointed yourself, your relationship with God. God knows those moments. He remembers those moments. Those are important moments in our life. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be Comfort. We need men who will express that kind of sorrow for sin more than those who seek after its pleasure. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted.